This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season four of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm trying to get a cyclist kit tan on my legs. Playlists from friends are my love language, and I miss hugs, like a lot. Hi, I'm Shanice. I've never broken a bone. I once took first place in a triathlon, and I think I'm going through the third of my life crisis. Hi, I'm Janelle. I'm vaccinated. My favorite part of a bikini wax is the touche strip, and my Photoshop skills are on point. And we are your hosts of the True North Collective podcast. Hey. I, we have Dude. to talk about the tush strip. <laughs> oh yeah, that is, doesn't it feel like clean? So clean. That's so clean. the best part. Like that's actually, I feel like why I, I get know. a bikini wax. Me too. It's, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, uh, <laughs> I don't even so, care about the aesthetics in the front. Just get that two strip. <laughs> do you do Brazilian? Yeah. You don't have to answer if you don't want I do. Okay. I don't care. Yeah. I, I have, I think I've told this story, but when I was working at, um, my buddy, I had, they maybe use like my own consumer app at some point for a demo in front of all these executives at a company that had just um, acquired MindBody. And <laughs> I was looking at it, I was like, what do I have scheduled today? And it literally said two strip and Brazilian. And I was like, well, <laughs> either I can use someone else's app or I'll just stand in front of these executives and be like, don't worry, everybody, it's clean down there. Well, it's about to be. <laughs> Nothing like work, working in the corporate world. <laughs> so, Dude, way to disrupt it. I'm a, I'm a licensed esthetician and my, like my favorite thing to do was waxing. Um, so I usually do my own waxes, but it's really very difficult to do your own tooth strip. So <laughs> never try that at home. Okay. Shanice, I already learned so much about you. And when did, did you ever like do paid work for that? No, no, you I, just got your license. Yeah, I was, so I got my license when I was 19. And while I was going to school, I needed to work. And that's kind of like when I started in IT. And so by the time I got my license, I was kind of already like six months into this job that I really liked at a different company. And so I never, I never um, actually used it. But I was like, well, it's like good to have as a backup. So I just always keep it up. Well, wait, can you wax me? (laughs) Let's become better friends. I definitely have done that in the past, but I do feel like it's like, I'm not going to put you through that because I don't do it very often. So I, I just, I just, uh, you know, hurt myself, <laughs> not other people. Janelle, do you have a, a high pain tolerance or do things hurt often? No, I think I do. I just got my wax you done. Might, and... You might try the cleaning up on your own. I used to, I discovered that a few years ago before I did laser hair removal. And even with laser hair removal, it's like, it's not a perfect, you know, clean thing. And so I just did like the Sally Hansen. I, I can't remember the name of it. You can just do it yourself. It's really not that bad. Well, but I okay. have a high pain tolerance. I've tried to do it myself, but I feel like it doesn't pull the hairs out. So I must just suck at it. That's why I said clean up. I yeah. feel like with the cleanup, it's, I don't know. Or maybe oh, also, no. I don't know. I just, I did it. I did it once right before I was like, screw this. I'm doing laser hair removal. And I was like, 
this actually didn't really hurt. Like I was, re- I was sweating really bad before because I was just like, oh my God, I'm like gonna, why am I do- putting myself through this? And then I ripped the first one off and I was like, okay, let's keep going. <laughs> so I can get you like really good wax <gasps> and, like, yeah. from, the, from the beauty supply if you ever need. Maybe I should do that with my armpits. Yes, that's what I do with my armpits too. Oh my gosh. Okay, we're gonna connect information and then you're gonna do a tutorial with me and then- <laughs> wait do you so y'all wax your armpits i oh, want to that sounds great i feel yeah. like i just didn't i mean i know it's an option but i'm like wait people do that oh yeah <laughs> the worst part is like waiting for it to grow out so sometimes like if i'm going like when it's really hot i'm going to the gym a lot and i don't want to like have armpit hair i'll just shave but I was just talking, I was teaching a TRX class and I had my arms up overhead, like in an O shape. And I was like, and this is when you check if you shaved your armpits the night before. And I was like, honestly though, I'm pretty bad at shaving nowadays. (laughs) I had a leg hair. I didn't shave for like a really long time on my legs and I had a leg hair and then I shaved, but I missed it. And it was probably over like an inch and a half long. I was like, ow, (laughs) hello friend. Where did you come from? Just kidding, you've been there for months. Um, but Shanice, you've never broken a bone and my mind immediately goes to, holy shit, you just bought a longboard and I'm scared for you. Yes. That is also what I'm terrified of. Um, yeah. So hopefully fingers crossed all of my other board sports will translate over to longboarding and I'll just be somewhat decent at it and not break any bones. Dude, I've never broken a bone either. Twins. (laughs) as you were reading your whole intro, I was just like, oh my gosh, I used to say that, but then I stopped saying it because I was afraid I was going to jinx it. (laughs) I want to know how your first shred session went. I was in my um, driveway and in my little back parking area. So uh, it was good. I wore my, I wore my helmet. I was really embarrassed because um, like there's neighbors really close by and I could hear them in their backyard. And I was like, they're going to look over and see this girl like in full on like protective gear, just like cautiously paddling along on board. It's amazing. So Rachel, I don't know if you know this, but I know, you know, I bought a longboard, but then Shanice bought one and her friend Jess is, I think she actually got hers. Jess has been on the podcast before in season two so we can be a longboarding club um but I went out on Thursday too out on the street and it's like same thing I was like you, you. <laughs> do I look cool yet <laughs> does anyone think I'm cool dude like, so I'm in Escondido right now at my brother's and they have it's pretty hilly here and there's this one hill. So we'll go for walks with his little niece and dog and stuff. And um, me and his girlfriend are walking. And then all of a sudden, my brother will come flying down this hill. Like, I'm like, he's going to fucking die on his longboard. It's insane. So it's like, there's a very specific hill right here. And him and his buddy they like bring their longboards or his friends bring their longboards just to go down this one hill. I, I'm like, oh my God, I don't think I could do it. It seems... I could do like little things on the side, but like, holy crap, like the level of trust in, in yourself and the world as you fly down that hill is like none other. Ask them for pointers. Ask them well, how you stop. Ask think, them how you steer. 
Where does you where do you put your foot? Are we gonna invite him in here? <laughs> Google, I think he'll say Google it. <laughs> he'll be like, there's this thing called YouTube. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Learn how to do anything there. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And then a triathlon. Tell me more. Yes. So I the first triathlon I ever did, I think I've done four triathlons, four or five. Um the first triathlon I ever did was the Scott Tinley triathlon that they do or used to do out at Lopez Lake here in Aurora Grande. And um, we did the off-road course. It was me and four other people. And uh, we were the youngest people there um, doing it. And then they gave you prizes based on your age group. So I won first place in my age group. There were only three people in my age group. So all of us got first, second, or third place, even though we were like the last people to finish the actual course. Dude, that's amazing. That's healthy. I feel like that's amazing. <laughs> I would wear that with so much pride. I would just tell people all the time and be like, I got first place in a triathlon once in my age. Like I would tell everyone and they I'm so fit. <laughs> there were three of us. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Should we introduce Shanice? Yeah. Before we introduce Shanice, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite products. Yes, you've heard me talk about it before. It is Whoop, and Whoop is a wearable like no other. It provides you with data on your recovery, on your sleep, on your strain, and not just the physical strain that you're doing when you're working out, but the strain throughout the day, and that includes psychological strain because stress is real people and it does take a toll on your body whoop is just been life-changing for me coming from the fitness industry and chronically over exercising being stressed not sleeping enough it's really given me a tool to help me to learn and understand my body better if you're interested in getting your first month of whoop free and a free whoop strap we will drop a link in the show notes and you can do that via the referral code Happy whooping, and we'll jump back into the podcast introducing Shanice. I'm super excited for this conversation. Uh, Shanice has been someone that I feel like I've known for a long time, but really just through our friend Jess. Um, but we both worked at Mind Body together, and Shanice is just such like a kind, fun person. I feel kind of like we're kindred spirits too. Sometimes I laugh when I'm like, oh, I see why Jess is friends with both of us because <laughs> we have like a lot of similarities. Um, but Shanice is also a recovering people pleaser, an avid adventurer, a tech nerd, a perpetual student who loves spending time outdoors, observing people, traveling, and reading in an attempt to better understand the world and what drives our behaviors. A serial hobbyist, you can often find her attempting to perfect her skills surfing, wine tasting, winemaking, snowboarding, baking, and most recently, longboarding. She lives in Slow with her son and a fiddle leaf fig tree named Fred. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. So excited to be here. It's funny, Janelle, because when you're talking about how we work together, I think it's pretty interesting sometimes how you connect with with people even though like maybe there was like this one place where you started off right like mind body but I feel like we never really connected when you worked at mind body it was only after you left Jess and I like ran into you at bold and we hung out there and then now you know as my friendship with like Jess has grown 
she's introduced me to you. So it's, it's been really fun. Yeah, that is funny. I know I thought about that before coming back like a month ago, I had met you twice. I think once at Bold at the conference and it was like two in the morning at a hotel bar, like, oh, what's up? <laughs> and then um, the other time was when like Zoe came back and we were at Flower House. And that was basically it. But I was like, I feel like we're best friends already. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's funny how there's like the commonality piece when there is that commonality piece, whether you like actually intersected deeply or not, once there's that point of like intersection, it just makes, I don't know. It's just like creates this pillar foundational pillar. That's like, all right, we know each other. I don't know. I felt that in my life of like, there's no reason that I should feel this comfortable with you, but because we have this one intersection point, I feel like let's go there. Totally. I was just going to ask like you and Rachel, how long you've, I, I've listened to the podcast. So obviously you guys have known each other for several years as you've been doing the podcast, but how you originally met and how long you've known each other. You want to take that Rachel? Yeah. We like, don't really talk about that very much on here. What a fun question. You might hear my niece screaming in the background. She has a cold. Um, and she can't breathe. So um, it was the year, what was the year? <laughs> it was the year 1986. It was the year 19. <laughs> I don't was know why. <laughs> Pretty sure it uh, was snowing. <laughs> probably. I think it was like 2015 or 2016. Okay. So somewhere around there, um, I had just, uh, I had been living in Vancouver, uh, Canada and working for Lululemon and was long distance dating with somebody who was in Milwaukee. And we had been trying to get him out to the Pacific Northwest and it like wasn't working. And long story short, all these things were like telling me that I didn't wanna keep going in the direction that I was going with my job. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And so for the first time in my life, a partner was more important than my job, which says something, but so I decided to quit everything and came to Milwaukee. And when I got to Milwaukee, I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. I was just like, I just can't do that anymore. And I'm going to figure it out. Um, and I loved cycling and there was a cycling studio in Milwaukee, cycling TRX and cruise studio in Milwaukee called Spire Fitness. And I was like, well, I'd like to be able to work out for free. So maybe I can just be a front desk person. <laughs> So I happened, oddly enough, I happened to know one of the instructors, the cycling instructors, who I think was the head of the cycling program at the time, her and I had met in Minneapolis, which is where I started cycling. And so long story short, um, she talked to Janelle, I got the interview, and then I ended up interviewing for assistant studio manager, I think. I didn't know that I was. Um, and then from there, our, we kind of worked together. We created this studio. We were like, you know, getting our hands dirty and everything. Like nothing was off limits and um, spent a ton of time together in that space. And then also because I'm like re pretty open, um, I'm actually working on figuring out how to be honoring of my story and not just like, blah, here's all the wounds. Here's everything that exists about me. Um, and so I pretty sure I did that to Janelle immediately <laughs> because we spent so much time together. Um, but I think it worked because we were both in a place of like, what is this thing called life in different ways? Um, I was very much like openly unpacking 
and trying to figure out who I wanted to be. Um, and I think that was probably under the surface for you, Janelle, and you didn't maybe realize that there was that space that you were ready to play in. And we kind of both invited each other into this collaborative experience that ultimately became the True North Collective um, by both saying yes and both being us and both being like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> so, yeah. I love that. And I don't want to like jump ahead too much, but I love something you were saying about like trying to figure out the, the boundary, right? Of like not, of being open and being vulnerable, but also doing it with people who like have earned that, you know, not just- 100%. Uh, not just like throwing it all out there because I think that's something that I've been working on a lot is um you know something that's hard for me is to open up to people and then there have been times where you know I opened up to individuals who I thought had earned my trust or like earned that right and and it ended up not working out and so I was like okay well you know I need to honor that like I should have asked them right like do you have this do you have the space do you have the capacity to like hold hold this space for me right now um, but then just kind of also finding people where, you know, they're, they're also going to honor their own boundaries by not always like making you take on that responsibility. And just like, by saying like, Hey, I really want to be here for you right now, but like, I'm also going through some things or I just feel like I'm not the right person to listen to you. So like, you know, I don't know if you have another friend or I can help you find another resource or something like that. Yeah, totally. I think that and also recognizing with my within myself am i actually wanting to tell this story right now or am is it just a default that i am open and so i tend to just like lay it all out there um which is honestly i mean again we can kind of go into this more later um, after you get a chance to introduce yourself if we want but um now I do a lot more checking in of like, what is the thing that I need and want to hear myself say, regardless of what the other person, how the other person responds. So it's like, I'm creating more boundaries with myself of like, what do I need to hear myself express in this moment? And if the other person, yes, absolutely asking, if I remember, sometimes I forget, but asking like, hey, do you have the space to allow me to just share this or, or whatever? Um, but even beyond that, it's like, if they say no, then I know I need to express. And so I kind of, it's almost like I have like backup plans, innate backup plans there, or I've already drawn the circle around myself. And I know where I stand of like, I need to express right now. And it's not really about this person. It's about me being able to do that. So how do I need to get that for myself? It's a whole thing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, Shanice, we'll jump in. I love, this is, I'm so excited because I feel like you and I have started to have like some of these conversations and ponderings in person. So it's just going to be such a good episode, but you know, whatever. Um, okay. But what does it look like to be Shanice today? Honestly, I was thinking about this a lot last night because I was, I was reading through your guys's e email um, and I was like, okay, these are the questions that are probably going to come up or that they're going to ask me. But I think that like, to be honest about like where I am is I'm kind of figuring that out right now. and like figuring out what that looks like. I'm figuring out, um, there's like an analogy where 
when someone's like a, a smoker, right. And then they quit smoking and now like they suddenly can't stand like anything to do with cigarettes, other people who are smoking. So like they go in the complete opposite direction. And I'm feeling like I'm doing that a little bit in my life right now of like, you know, I, I spent the first 25 years of my life, like with this one, you know, set of, of beliefs or like values and now I've like been testing over the past couple of years, like, do these actually serve me? Is this how I want to live my life? Is it how I want to raise my son? And there's been some things where I was like, okay, that doesn't serve me at all. And then I didn't know how to just like, let it go and like find something new. So I've been like pushing it, like actively pushing it away and like running in the complete other direction. And so now I feel like I'm kind of coming to this place of like trying to find that balance of like honoring what's really me. Um, understanding like what's been my conditioning and like why I'm reacting to certain things a certain way and then you know figuring out like how I want to move forward and move past it so a lot of learning and growing right now <laughs> I don't know if we've I don't know if you and I have talked about this but during like early quarantine and lockdown that was one of the activities I did I had one of those big post-it sheets that sticks on the wall and I went through and I wrote down all the beliefs that I thought I had <laughs> and which ones I was like, yep, keep you. No, I don't like that one. How do I, <laughs> how do I start to change that one? And just like went through and started to tick down and like really checked in as like, yeah, where did this even come from? Why do I have this belief? Like, what is this thing? And it was really, really, really interesting when like, I just sort of free flowed and, you know, didn't judge myself for it of like what started to come out of my brain and like holy shit like I believe that and I don't want to believe that <laughs> um and like I, I think I'm we're never through it but like maybe that rendition around of like really going through the beliefs and it's been like quite amazing and life-changing how like those simple mind shifts and the checking in of like what we're choosing to believe um really changes how you show up every single day in life yeah, it's so true. And I, something that I've been observing recently is kind of like how what we attract into our life or what we choose to have in our life kind of reflects where we are as well. And um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever thought about this or, or noticed this, but I'll always notice like what TV shows am I attracted to or like what am I resonating with like am I watching like a ton of like romantic comedies like why am I obsessed with like <laughs> you know this this storyline or like am I watching a ton of comedy and is that because I'm feeling happy or because I need to be cheered up um so kind of just like paying attention to like what I'm seeking out like even the type of music I'm listening to or the podcast that I'm listening to um and just kind of like observing that oh my gosh I love that as somebody who is like a perpetual dot connector of seemingly unconnected things, I'm shocked that I haven't thought of that. <laughs> but now I'm also kind of mad at you for me, for like inviting me into that because I'm like, shit, now I'm going to just start thinking about that. Oh, I also loved um, how relatable your share was around. I kind of swung the pendulum totally the other direction. Um, I feel like that was pretty much, that's pretty much been my life of like one pendulum swing to the other. And I'm in the last few years, I think actually the True North Collective has really just held such a beautiful space for me to, when I'm, I don't know, we end up talking to so many different people with different facets and they're at different places that it almost, um, 
it's leveled me out a little bit to be like, oh yeah, I'm kind of whatever. But anyways, the point that um, I loved from that is what I found there is that when I swing the pendulum from side to side, I'm still playing in the same arena. I actually haven't changed anything. And so um, that was like a really cool insight for me. And again, I think it's super relatable because it does seem like, well, if I just run in the opposite direction, then I can avoid this thing. And I'm going to reinvent myself in this other way. And I think my rebellion has often been from that place. And I'm really working right now to kind of see if I can sit in what is and ask myself, like, is this rebellion to run or is this rebellion to sink deeper into who I am? And um, sometimes it's one or the other. And just even being able to ask the question or have the awareness is is a win to me. Shanice, I'm curious what, um, with that piece of awareness, like what have you been noticing that you've been attracting in to your space right now? Um, I've been thinking a lot about friends. Uh, it's, you know, I've, I've had some really great friendships, um, both, you know, as a child and then into my, my adult life. Um, and then I've also had friendships that have, have ended or, or run their course. And, um, I take a lot of responsibility for that. That's something I'm working through of like, why do people always leave me? Or like, what am I doing? That's turning people off. And my therapist was like, you know, this happens to everybody. And she's like, you're one of the very few people that's like, it's something that's wrong with me. Like <laughs> other people are just like, oh, you know, like either they'll, they'll put the blame on the, the other person or like understand that like, you know, our lives moved in different directions. We literally moved, you know, apart um, to different places. But I, I take a lot of responsibility for that just because of other things that have happened in my life. Um, and so I've been thinking about that a lot because uh, I think, you know, the people we hang out with influence a lot of who we are. And obviously, like we spend time with them and, and we're attracting people who probably have similar values or, or a similar outlook in life. And so I've been looking at like the past year. And of course, with COVID, it's super hard to meet people. Right. And so um, I've was sometimes I'll get into the self-pity place of like, oh, how many friends? And so instead of that, I've been trying to turn that around, like, and, and to kind of like go into the, the comfort zone topic of it's outside of my comfort zone to like reach out to people or like to, to kind of like try, like to put myself out there. And so instead of like sitting home and just being like, I don't have any friends, like the universe is not listening to my request for friends. I've been trying to take ownership of that and, and reach out to other people or, you know, even if it's just like over Instagram at first, kind of like saying like, do we like vibe like if I send them this meme are they gonna think it's funny like are are we kind of like on the same line and then letting that kind of gradually like translate into a hey I saw you like went hiking like do you want to go hiking together and then seeing what happens like on that hike do we have a good conversation I think sometimes in the past it's like I I would meet people and I just be like we're having such a great time at this party because you know like we're we're doing something fun or there's you know alcohol involved so we're having a really great time and then you think like that's going to translate into a friendship and it doesn't um and so kind of like learning how to make you know friends in a a, a I don't know a slower way I guess that kind of lends to like a more deeper connection I don't know if that answered your question I think like we started one place and I was like let's talk about friendships <laughs> I love friendships. I know. I also, I, I lost my train of thought actually, but yes. Okay. I'm going to just be quiet because I can't remember what I was going to say. 
But well, I love this conversation because I'm well, trying to find real friends too. <laughs> I do like, well, and we started season two of the podcast because I had that exact same thing. I was like, I don't have any fucking friends really. Like I had people, <laughs> I had people that worked for me at the time, like when I was in Milwaukee and then I had like drinking buddies and drinking buddies are to me were very different than friends. Like some of my drinking buddies were my friends, but most of them were drinking buddies and they didn't know boo about me. And if I needed help, they probably wouldn't. I mean, they might've shown up for me, but like, it would have been a pull to get them to do it. We didn't really have that relationship. Like that would have just been them being like super nice and be like, oh, she needs help. Okay, I'll show up. <laughs> Not like a, I got your back, you got my back kind of thing. Um, and so we spent a lot of time having those conversations because I was like, I don't know how to make friends as an adult either. And when I moved to slow, um, that was like, you know, I kind of had to, right. It forced me to be in this new space and really having no friends and be like, okay, so let's, let's do this. How do you make friends as an adult? And it is, it's like, it, it is interesting to see like who, who comes in, who stays, who leaves. And there is a lot, like, I think I was pretty lucky with my time at Mind Body and the fact that a lot of people on my team are like still my friends today. Um, but you're right. It's like, there, there are also different like types of friendships and different pockets of friendships. There's like your deep friends that you, you know, are really, really close to, but then there's also like your activity friends. And when, um, when I left slow before this last road trip, like one of my biggest struggles was I felt like I had like my core people, which was amazing. Cause I'd never had that before. Um, like if when people are like, who's going to be in your, you know, bridal group. And I was like, uh, my sister, I don't know. You know, like I didn't have anybody <laughs> that I was like, I, you know, uh, like, I don't know. I'd probably ask people and they'd be like, I guess, I guess I'd, you know, stand up in your wedding. Um, and like, I started to build that, but then I was like, I feel like I'm missing my like activity friends. So like you said, like looking for people then, um, that want to do similar things. And of course, like people can ebb and flow in and out of those groups or there can be overlap. Um, but like, I really felt like I was missing that. And it's been funny because since I've come back to slow, I feel like all of a sudden I'm like finding all of these people. So I don't know if it's, you know, I, I don't know what it is. People are like coming out of their shell with COVID or like, I'm just attracting it in. Um, but like all these people are just like coming out of the fucking woodworks. And I'm just like, where have you people been? Like, I've been looking for people like you, my, you know, for the last two years and slow and you are here. Um, but it is like, it is a journey and it's definitely, like you said, it, it, like you're, do you vibe, do you mesh? And then like letting it go if you don't and not making it about you or even making it about them. It's like very much like dating. I feel like what you described, I'm like, that sounds like dating, <laughs> but dating for friends. <laughs> it's been... I'm a recovering codependent and I just got out of a seven year relationship in December and had been back to back dating long-term since I was 20 and, and I'm 38. So almost 20 years. And it has been really interesting for me to, to have to face and look at the fact that I did place my relationships. I have like my default is to, make my partner, the person who's closest to me, like the most important person in my life. And, um, and to kind of, not only that, also to almost vet who I allow in based on what makes my partner feel comfortable. And that's like, really, I actually haven't said these words out loud and it's hard for me to say it. Cause I'm such like a fiercely like me person, like the fact that 
I would dictate who is allowed in based on my perception of who my part, my partner's discomfort is like, Oh, but since I've been single, it's been, I'm, I'm like, I'm very committed to um, healing and, and recovering from a lot of those defaults. And not, not that I think I need to be fully healed to, to live or anything like that. I'm kind of finding that balance, but the people that really do resonate with me, um, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I was still in a relationship, a relationship, it wasn't my ex's fault. If I was still in a relationship, I might not have this depth of connection with you right now because of my own weird programming. And that's insane to me. And so I'm just like, how do I allow myself to keep, basically I had, I don't know if I Marco Polo with you, Janelle, this, it might've been another friend of mine, but I was like, for me, as I think about the connections and the relationships that I'm building, I want to feel like when I'm in connection with those people, and especially someday if I'm in a partnership again, that it feels expansive. Like when I'm in this relationship, the world doesn't close in, people don't go away. It actually opens it up and more people can be allowed in um, because the people that I've been deeply connecting to in the last four months who were in my life before have, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I might not have had that opportunity. So um, it is pretty wild. Um, yeah. And, and amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, if you don't mind me asking, like, did you find, I have a couple of questions actually about everything you said, but the first piece that came up for me, was, you know, talking about, you know, being, being codependent and kind of, you know, put making that person the center of your world. And did you find that like in your partnerships, like the other person was equal, like you guys were doing that to each other. And so that's like how it all just like caved in different relationships were different. So I was in a six-year relationship, then a four-year relationship, then a seven-year relationship with like a little bit of like things in between. Um, The first one was both codependent. The second one was, we were both just numbed out. Um, And then the last one I was just in, I was definitely the codependent one. Oh, now that you're saying that, I don't know. I haven't really, I would have said, I definitely was more of the like lean in and he was the lean back. Um, but codependency has so many nuances to it that I'm learning that there's even aspects to behaviors that I'm like, oh, that's codependent. And then I'm like, oh my God, it is codependent. So it's like, there's so much in it. I really think all of us, um, there's a really big opportunity for every person to be able to like, look at their own narcissism, look at their own codependency, look at their own people pleasing. I think we all have those defaults. And when I could, when I started to be able to look at, I am a human with all of these aspects, instead of trying to figure out which combination of fucked up that I am and thinking that I need to like fix these areas that are, that are fucked up and instead said, this is an aspect of humanity that is showing itself to me right now through me. And we all have it and I can either fight it and over identify with it, or I can just build a relationship to it. Just like all of us can. Um, I don't know. It opened it up a lot more for me. So I wasn't making it like I'm this uniquely qualified person at all of these weird 
dysfunctions that the world has decided are like deemed as bad. Um, Cause I, I do think we all have them. So I, I don't know if that answered your question. No, it does. And I, I love conversations like this. I love talking to people, talking to people about stuff like this. Cause I feel like, you know, when we talk about like shame and stuff like it, it lives in the shadows. And so I, it's so relatable to hear you say that because I'm, I'm actually a psych major. And so I would like read, you know, about all these different disorders in my textbooks. And I'd be like, fuck, I have that. Like I have that. And then like, you know, I'd go online and take like a, are you a narcissist quiz? That's like from some psychologist. And it would tell me I was, and I was like, that's what's wrong with me. This is like why my friendships are ruined. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm just, I'm just broken. And so like to hear that, you know, it's not, I mean, we're all broken, right? We all have our things, but like, it is human. It's not, I'm more broken than other people, or, you know, it's not a competition on who's the most uniquely broken. Like we're, we're all struggling with different things and we're all just trying to find our way through it. Yeah. And it's like, if we're all broken, then are any of us broken? (laughs) I've been, I've been having this conversation with, um, one of my buddies, actually, he was on the podcast, uh, last year, DJ. And I was like, what if I, I have no bearings of like um, expertise to be making this claim, but I'm like, what if instead of like creating these boxes where people are put into because of their neuroses, what if it was like, as a human, you, we all have like, just like how lion, like if you were a lion, there would be certain characteristics, like you're going to attack things. You're going to want to eat meat. Like as a human, you're going to have it. We have addictions. We have narcissists, narcissism, especially in the way that our society has evolved. Um, we have codependency. We have, which those two are actually connected, which is like a totally other conversation. If you ever want to offline that with me, let me know it. I'm very passionate about it. Um, But if all of these things were just invitations for aspects of ourselves to play with that we just knew at a default as humans, we all have them. It's not like some people have addictions and some people don't. Guess what? Spoiler alert. We all got them. It's just what's your flavor? Um, Now we can stop feeling that shame or even saying like we got shame, too. Um, So I uh, yeah, I I, 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 two weeks ago. I was, this is so funny. It's two weeks ago, I was diagnosed with unhealed PTSD. I don't know if I've told you that, Janelle. Um, It's something that I thought maybe was a thing. And people who are close to me, I would be like, I think I might have PTSD, but like, I'm not having flashbacks. Like how um, vets, I've, I've heard vets described as having them. So I don't know if I'm just, I don't know. Anyways, I'm working with a therapist who, um, does a lot of Eastern and Western integrated approaches to healing. And she was like, I'm going to throw a diagnosis on the table. If it doesn't serve you, we do not have to use it. And I just, I, I want to offer it up. And I was like, I'm ready to hear it. And so she's like, I, we're, I am going to be working towards healing your unhealed PTSD. Um, we can name it further than that if you want, or we don't have to blah. And so I kind of sat with it and was like, I don't know how I feel about this. (laughs) Like, This is big and scary, but also it makes me feel like there's something to all of these things that made me feel crazy. And I, 
wanted to tell people, my old default was like, tell everybody so that they know and they don't, they can run if they want. And then I was like, well, hold it close. And so I like slowly started telling people. And as I've researched it, it's actually super common. And so it's like, I've kind of had this journey of like this big thing that then is actually quite normal. And now I, I can choose, like I'm bringing it to the space today, which I wasn't expecting to, but it feels okay because it is normal. And yeah, period. It is normal, period. And so, yeah. <laughs> That's what I got. <laughs> I don't know if I missed something. Sorry. I, we had like, this is an overshare for the podcast too, but we had spicy Mexican last night and couldn't wait. Uh, <laughs> but, um, Hi, hi, come play. We are promoting our monthly workshops. Each month we focus on a different facet of authenticity and we get a group together, we get curious, we ask questions, we have conversations, we try things on, learning from each other, seeing what works for another person. Does that work for us or do we wanna find our own way? We will drop a link in the show notes below where you can join our upcoming workshop. In addition to the workshops on the third Thursday of each month, we offer our monthly collective. That's our free monthly community gathering where we get together and chat all things authenticity with a rad group of people. We would love to see you there. All right, let's jump back in. When it comes to parenting and like healing in your own journey. And I think I had said to you, like, I don't, if I ever do choose to have children, like I want to be in a place where I feel like I've healed some more of my own stuff before I do that. And you brought in a like beautiful different perspective that I kind of hadn't considered about your experience being a parent. Do you, are you willing to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just to rewind a little bit, like growing up, like I always thought like, oh, I'll have kids. I'm an only child. Um, so I wanted to have two kids because I was like, I want them to have, you know, each other. And then I, um, I got married really young. I was 19 when I got married and the first couple of years, like, I was like, okay, like I've already, I'm already, I've already fast tracked my life. Like let's, let's have kids. Like, let's do this. And my husband was like, no, like, I really like us to have time where it's just like us together. And so kids didn't happen in the first couple of years. And then, you know, your, your life shifts. Like I, I got more into my career. I was like building my career. I was progressing. Um, and that became really important to me. I was trying to like go to school at the same time, um, and, and get a degree. And, you know, then we just started like traveling and doing a lot of things that you get to do when you have two incomes. And we started hanging out with other people that were in similar situations and also people who like had consciously decided that they did not want to have children and like that wasn't in in the books or in the cards for them um and were like actively anti-children um like would say really mean things about kids oh hang on baby sorry sorry the little one just like came in here give me one second okay okay (laughs) thanks He's like slowly closing the door. He's all, you're talking about kids. Hey. <laughs> um, 
so they were actively against children and, you know, kind of going back to like what you surround yourself kind of like shapes your values and everything. And so I kind of like got to this place of like, well, I don't want to have kids. Um, but I would have conversations with other people about it. And I knew what was like deep down in there was like, there were some really hard things that I went through in my, in my early twenties. Um, and then again, in my mid twenties, and I just had this feeling that I wasn't, I wasn't fit to be a mother. Um, there's like a lot of generational trauma on my mom's side and, and stuff like coming from that. And, you know, I know my mom like struggled as a mother, um, and like struggled to like, kind of like have the tools just because she didn't have great modeling herself. And so I was like, I don't want to put a, a kid through that. Like, I just don't feel like I'm healthy enough. Like I don't want to pass this on and you know, all of these things. And I, it was really hard. Cause I, looking back, I, I know like there were nights where I would, I would like stay up, I would numb out. Um, and then I would watch like parenthood. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever watched that TV show. And I would sob because I would like wanted that so badly. Like I, I wanted to be a parent and I felt like that was like something that was calling me, but I just didn't feel worthy. And eventually like what happened was I, I got pregnant unin, you know, unintendedly, um, super happy about it. And that really kickstarted a lot of my growth because up until then I was kind of just running away from it all um, and like suppressing it and burying it. And I just committed that, like, I didn't want to, to do that. And again, like I, I didn't want to like pass on like what I could prevent. Um, and I wanted to do the work and, and to try to heal. And that's been quite the adventure. It's been really difficult. There's been a lot of challenges, but it's also been really beautiful because, um, you know, my mom actually came to me a couple of weeks ago and she told me that she was starting therapy herself to kind of resolve a lot of the things that she's been through. And, you know, she's in her fifties. She would never have, you know, the, the woman that I knew, like would never have, you know, she had her own ways of, of coping and that she felt were enough. Um, and I, I just feel like you can heal both yourself, you're healing the future and you're trying to like help heal the past as well. I have a question for you. It's so beautiful. And I've heard from some of, some of my other friends who have children that when they had their kids, it was like they were almost reparenting themselves as they were parenting their kids. Um, but the question that I have for you is what is the gift if you see one of your child being able to see you go through this healing journey? Um, I mean, he's still really young, right? So I, I don't know how much he picks up, but I hope that as he gets older, just like, like you're saying, like reparenting myself through all of his life phases, that like that I have the awareness to do that and, and I'm conscious of it and kind of just like, you know, conscious parenting, like we can do anything in life consciously or unconsciously. Um, and just seeing that there's like a, a purposefulness in it. Um, so I, I hope that like, that's the gift that he takes away of like awareness. And, and he's such a, like a sensitive little soul already that I'm sure that he will be. He's, he's the sweetest little thing. He'll like this morning he woke up and he's like, five more minutes and he's like come lay with me and then he just like puts his little arm around me and like pats my back 
you can't see me right now, but my hand is on my heart and I'm just like, oh, I love that. Really sweet. So cute. They're so cute. Thank you for sharing. Because when you said that, I I feel like there's like a lot for me in, in wrestling with that. And I think it's similar to you said it, like to what you said is that it's the idea of like this past generational shit that I haven't dealt with yet, or like I'm in the process of dealing with. And then being like, I don't know, like, I don't want that to be carried down in any sort of lineage. And I'm also not really in a place right now that <laughs> would make sense for me to have a little one running around. Um, but I've always kind of just like teeter back and forth on the fence of like, Ooh, is that a good idea? And I don't have to make that decision. But you saying that I was like, that's so beautiful. And I think that opens up a new perspective and a new door in my life of if I ever choose to go down that route to see it potentially differently. So one small Instagram message, <laughs> I, I vastly changed my perspective. I was like, oh yeah. Okay. I like that. I think it's a little bit too, at least for me of like a control issue. Right. So I'm like a very anxious person. I, I struggle with anxiety and something with anxiety is like, you're just constantly like looking ahead, planning for every single th- like thing that could happen. And with parenting, like if you do that, you're just going to make yourself sick. Like there's, I mean, <laughs> I have like wondered everything from like, what if my kid is like a serial killer to like, what if he hates me when he grows up? And there's all these different possibilities, but I think it's, it's just, I have to remind myself that like, I'm doing the best I can in the moment. And like, so those are the things that, you know, I hope that he takes away of like, yeah, life is tough. Like things do not always work out the way that you anticipate or that you expect them to, or even the way you want them to, but we can, we can choose to like do the best with what we've been dealt and, um, just kind of like teaching him like that, that grit and perseverance. I am an aunt, uh, to a one and a half year old. And it is, I think one of the biggest disservices that we can and I'm not a parent, so like, I'm not an expert, but what I'm feeling for myself and I'm living with my parents now. So there's like a lot of like generational stuff that I'm experiencing in real time and the inability to see the adult figures or like the, the caregivers in my life, the inability for me to experience them being able to experience emotions, the range of emotions, um, has been really eye-opening for me. And so as I'm around my niece, I'm really conscious of like, am I trying to just be happy because she is here? Am I trying to only show her the version that I think is like the better version of me or humanity or caregiver and instead show up as I am? So if, you know, like I came here for over a week because my I had gotten in a big fight with my parents and um, I, I couldn't be there. And my brother was like, come stay with us. And there were days in that that were tough. And I'm, I'm grieving a relationship. And, and for me to, to say, it's like, it's actually important for this. I mean, it's important. That, I mean, that's why we're having these conversations with adults of like, let's normalize this stuff so that when we're feeling the things, it's not so, you know, it doesn't become this whole thing in and of itself, but same I'm noticing with this small child, I'm like, wow, 
how quickly I go into this curated version that's like, oh, I need to make this, you know, like, you know, palatable. Um, and, and not that I, you know, on the flip side, it's like, you know, just like, ah, you know, but she, she can be allowed to experience me crying and, and to kind of sit with that with me or, um, you know, feel that energy exchange. So anyways, it's been really interesting. Um, and what a gift I think that can be for young people to see the adults in their lives navigate the messiness and then to see them be able to work through it. And um, that's not something that I necessarily feel like was modeled for me at all. Yeah, it's so true. And I think like a lot of parents, well, at least the parents that I see or follow or connect with, um, you know, we are trying to like teach our children that it's okay to feel things, right? Even, especially like with boys, like there's, there's so much, you know, boys don't cry and like all of these things that we're trying to <laughs> reverse or do away with. And uh, so I would always tell my son, like, it's okay, you can feel your feelings. Like, what are you feeling right now? Like, let's try to name it. And that's where like that reparenting comes in. Cause then like, I have to sit with that and be like, okay, but when I'm feeling sad, I'm like, snap out of it. Like, let's go move on. And so learning to let myself feel my own feelings, um, and, and let him see me feeling my feelings too, so that he has the modeling, just like you're saying. Yeah. Or even like Sabu's, so her, my niece's name is Sabu. She stayed with us for like, uh, four days. Cause it was my brother's birthday. They went on a little trip and her personality is starting to come out. And there are things about her personality that are like, like she'll take things and she knows she's like, we'll have just cleaned up and then she'll take things and like re-throw it back on the ground. And like, she's kind of playing with the stuff. And it was interesting for me to notice like the, the thoughts that I had in my head of like who, what that meant about her personality, what that meant about her and like how I then was like wanting to like change stuff. And I was like, whoa, Rachel, she's just wanting to throw stuff on the ground right now. Like that doesn't mean anything. And if she wanted to, is it hurting anything? Why can't she do that? And so it's been being around her. And again, I can't, I can only imagine how profound it is as like uh, your own offspring, but it's been profound for me as an aunt because that's the closest I know. Um, I have so much love for this human and to watch my own inner workings and to slow it down enough. Um, I feel like I'm almost reparenting myself, even though I'm not her parent, but it is pretty, it's a gift. This. Thank you for going down that like subset of a conversation, but um, like I said, it actually has changed how I look at parenting and it is a reminder that people are doing it differently and that they are doing it consciously, like you said, and I'm sure I knew that, but like, I don't have a lot of people in my life that do have children. Um, and so like my mindset is probably of an older generation or like a different than I would like to do it moving forward. So it's like cool to see some of my friends now, like you, um, and like a few other friends that I do have that have kids that are doing it differently. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like they're, I don't know. There are like different options and different ways to do this. That would feel more true to what I, I would want my parenting style to be if I choose to go there. Um, but I want to pivot again. I feel like I have so many questions for you, Shanice. So we're going to keep pivoting, but the topic, and I hopefully I didn't miss this, but that you brought up and I was like, 
well, <laughs> is the kinder in the room? <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, is getting out of your comfort zone and how that ties back to uncovering your identity and embracing your uniqueness, which I feel like I had to read verbatim because <laughs> you said that to me. And I was like, well, that's super well written <laughs> too. Yes. So where have you been playing with that? I think we've touched a few touch points already on it, um, but let's go even deeper and how that's been showing up in your life. Yeah. And I totally lost, lost my train of thought. Um, Cause as you were talking, kind of concluding the last topic, I was like, Oh, this like ties in in this way. But anyway, um, so that's something that my therapist always says to me uh, at the end of every session, she talks about like a wish. She, she makes a wish for you, um, which I know you guys don't like that word, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> It's um, hope. It's hope that we hate. Okay, Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> no hope. So she always says, you know, I, I want to make a wish for you and my wish for, you know, the next two weeks or however much time it is in between our session. Um, and she usually she tries to make it like something different, but lately, like she's consistently like been bringing this up for me of embracing my uniqueness. And so that <laughs> it's outside of my comfort zone for me, because I think you know, for a really long time, um, I just got stuck in this certain identity. Um, and I felt like that's who I had to be. And like, that's who everyone expected me to be. And so in order for me to keep, you know, certain relationships in my life, I felt like I was having to like, be a certain person. And sometimes it was like, be a certain person for my parents, be a certain person for this friendship, be a certain person in my partnership. Um, and kind of learning to like get outside of the, the comfort zone in the sense of like, is this who I really am? Right. Going back into finding your identity and and all of that. And, or is it just who I think that I have to be? And so I've been trying to, um, learn like which pieces are me and then work that into, you know, my relationships with other people. And sometimes it's been a little bit, um, I don't know what the right word is, maybe like too much at like abrasive for them, right. Or too aggressive for them of like, oh my God, like, who are you now? And so kind of learning how to like sneak little bits and pieces in and, and then see how they respond and then, you know, kind of go from there. I can relate so hard to that. I I mean, I talk about on the podcast of like curating my cancer story, but that was just one. <clears throat> I mean, that is an example that obviously permeated beyond just that one facet of my life. Um, I, I, um, I have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts um, and I'm not totally sure what direction to go, except um, I, I appreciate I appreciate you. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Um, uniqueness for me, as I started to lean into that became its own identity. And so I am in the process of my life right now of recognizing where I have curated <laughs> a unique identity again. And I'm now starting to realize that maybe that's just as meaning makers, like as our brains are meaning, like that's what we do. Like it's very big and ambiguous. And, and so in order to make sense of it, you kind of settle in on something and then that plays out for a while 
um, potentially, you know, because as a default, it tends to be the thing that, you know, brings you the most whatever and keeps away the most whatever um, until you realize that it's become a thing in and of itself. And now it's not you, it's the thing. And so it's, it's an interesting um, thing to play with of like honing in on your uniqueness and what that even means, but then allowing it to be loose enough to breathe in each moment and to be able to show up with the people you've known for so long and, and build that tolerance for their discomfort on the fact that you chose that this aspect of your identity doesn't make sense anymore. And this is now who you want to play with. And it is this really interesting dance. So I, yeah. I'm a fellow traveler with you. <laughs> it's allowing ourselves to be layered, right? And I think sometimes we get stuck in these things of like, oh, I either have to be this thing or I have to be that. And I can't be both at the same time and kind of allowing this the space for like everything to exist at once. Um, and, and I think it's interesting because too, like how much of our identity is uh, like, what is the, I'm losing words today, but uh, tied into like culture as well, or like what's popular, like what's trending and something that's been coming up for me and in listening to like some of your guys' episodes as well is, you know, this definition of success, right? And like people, you know, talking about like, okay, well, I have to like reject, right? Like corporate America and like all this stuff. And I have to go and like find, you know, something that's like giving back to the, the world. And I love that. But I also had to like wrestle with like, is that my path? Like, because I, I love to work. Like I'm probably never like people are like, Oh, oh if you were independently well, wealthy, what would you do? And I'd be like, well, I would, you know, probably have more flexibility in my life, but I would still work. Like I'm a serial hobbyist. I'd probably be a serial entrepreneur. I mean, I kind of am in like some of the, the things I've dabbled in, they've never panned out. <laughs> so if I was independently wealthy, that'd be great. Cause I could just keep throwing money at different things. Um, but just in that sense, embracing my uniqueness from the sense that like, I like to work, like I'll probably always work a corporate job and not feeling shame around that is in the sense of like, I don't do it because of like, I mean, obviously money is a piece of that. Like our time is valuable, but I genuinely like my job. I genuinely like what I do. People hate the tech industry. Um, I can see a lot of the problems that we have in the industry, but I also am of the opinion that like, you can't change things as efficiently or as effectively when you're not in it. And so if I can be a part, like a very small part, but a part of like helping make a company more inclusive or diverse or, you know, doing what I can in, in my own little section of the world, then who knows like what kind of a ripple effect that will have. Yeah. And to bring it back to the, your our earlier conversation about the extremes and swinging the pendulum, it's like, it's just running, like it's just running away from, which is actually getting to the other side of the exact same coin. And so now we're just, we've traded one set of you know, hierarchy for another set of hierarchy and we're still in the hierarchy. And so that's not real. Like all of it has a place to exist. Um, and it, it kind of reminds me of like my relationship to addictions in like, I have a point of view that works for me. Um, we, as a Ragnar team had stopped drinking. Gosh, was that like two years ago now, Janelle? No, it's 2020, but we started talking okay. about it in 2019. Okay. And I remember when we checked in at the 90 day mark, um, I am not somebody who can just like, 
I don't like to just cut things fully out because to me, for me, it means that I'm not actually dealing with the thing. I'm just avoiding the thing. And so um, it kind of reminds me of that. It's like, we can't just run away from the stuff that exists and like recreate this thing over here and like pretend it didn't happen. You know, it's like, how do I build a relationship with the thing that I'm trying to run away with in a way that allows me to see the benefit that exists in this thing um, and like the necessity of it and not, again, I guess I'm saying the same thing again, not create just a new hierarchical system. Um, I'm, I'm for sure in that. And I, I love that you are being a stand for this. I just, you're the coolest. Um, I know Janelle has like tooted your horn quite a bit. And so I was excited to have you on, but um, she didn't give me much to work with to like, no, like she, I was just like, okay, cool. I was like, you. she's the coolest human ever. All right. Yeah, that's it. I that's I all you like, need to know. All right, cool. I'm in. <laughs> um, but I, I will say, I don't know if you get this a lot. I feel so comfortable being myself with you and um, that doesn't happen all the time with me, but I feel like I could literally sit in a room and just totally be myself. I, I just, I'm very appreciative that doesn't happen all that often. So you have a gift. Thank you. Anytime. Yeah. Sounds like you're in Southern California. So anytime you want to come and hang out, you know, I'm, I'm almost fully vaccinated. So <laughs> <laughs> same, same. <laughs> At some point you'll meet because I think Rachel's coming to slow at some point. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if she confirmed that, but I think it's happening. No, it's happening. I just, yeah, it's happening. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, that probably goes to the fact why I feel like we're such good friends, even though I still think we've probably hung out under less than 10 times. <laughs> um, is there anything else like toot your horn a little bit if you're you're good with it? I know that probably makes you uncomfortable, but this is all about being a uh, good and uncomfortable um, of like what you discovered in your inner search for like what makes you unique. Oh man, um, I don't. This probably is not going to answer your question. We'd probably go off like somewhere else completely, but. Uh, Maybe that's what makes me unique. I'm just like, oh, you asked me a question. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually talk about something over here. But it's, it's funny. Like, Rachel, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, my self view is super critical, um, and so I project that onto a lot of the the people that I meet or that I interact with. And I consider myself pretty intuitive, um, and a lot of times, like, you know, I'll sense shifts in people's energy or whatever, and um, sometimes it's, it's correct, but a lot of times I'm like overanalyzing it. Right. And I'm making it about me. So understanding like how much of the time I'm making things about me and learning to, um, instead like give people's emotional stuff back to them, first of all, because if they have an issue and it's in our relationship, like they also have a responsibility to like bring that forward. Um, but also it, it could just be theirs. Right. And, uh, something you said earlier, earlier, Rachel, about, um, codependency and, you know, like being all in, like I have a little bit of that. And I also do a lot of work on my attachment style, which I'm an anxious avoidant. <laughs> so I'll be like anxious of like, oh my God, it seems like something happened, you know, in our relationship here. And I'm not sure why, you know, Janelle is like avoiding me or like she's being distant or I'm, she didn't put, you know, an exclamation mark in her text message. But then I get anxious or I get avoidant about it. I'm like, I'm just not going to talk to her anymore. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I don't have to deal with it and kind of like learning to to work through that and um also not just always looking at things as a problem right like I would I would write in my journal a lot and I'd be like what is wrong with me like why am I so fucked up like all these things and then just shifting that and being like there's nothing wrong with me right like I mean, probably there is, but, you know, I don't need to look at it from like that lens, right. Of like, okay, so like, I'm super in tune with things like that can also be a gift. Like, like you're saying, like, maybe like, that's what allows me to let people show up the way they are, because I can like sense their, their energy and like create like what they need. And, and so I guess like learning to embrace my uniqueness in the sense of seeing them as gifts rather than like seeing all the seeing all the ways that like sometimes it works against me well it's beautiful I think you're you're on to something and I am grateful that we're having this conversation today and um you're you're clearly doing I I hate this expression but I can't think of any other words right now but like you're clearly doing the work like you're clearly um taking the time to get to know yourself um and, and that is clearly having an impact on the people around you. Um, case study of one, you're having an impact on me. So <laughs> for whatever that's worth, but I, I love to that. What, what came up as you were talking was my brother and I last night were, were chatting and I was like, I really am trying to have more genuine fun in my life. And like, how do I be genuinely in joy and pleasure. And I'm learning from PTSD that that's <clears throat> like a really difficult thing for PTSD, uh, people with PTSD um, for a, a gamut of reasons. And and I was like, it made me feel so good to know that like there wasn't something fucked up about me because I struggled with being able to, to stay, to have sustained moments of like joy and I was having a conversation with my brother last night and he said to me, I'm like, so I'm really practicing. Like, how do I lean into that? Like, how do I, what does it look like for me to be joyful and, and to experience more joy? And, and then he goes, I mean, or maybe you can just accept the fact that your joy just looks different than other people's. And I was just like, Oh, <laughs> so I think it's both, you know, like I can continue to explore where, I know deep down inside I'm, I'm, I am, I want to step forward and be the silly version of myself that I know is there from when I was a kid and in pockets of time. Like, how can I bring that forward more, call that forward more? Um, but then also when it's not there to give myself permission to like, it's not, that's not, I don't need to force myself to be there because that's just curating again. So it, it's this interesting balance point. Um, it's nice to know again, that I am not alone in this. <laughs> All right, can I, can I ask a question? You, I've been hearing the attachment style theory. Can you give just like a brief, like, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not an expert, uh, other than I have one book and I, for whatever reason, Instagram gives me a lot of videos um, about uh, attachment styles, uh, probably because it's listening to me right now. But hey, you're in their algorithm. Yeah. 
<laughs> there's a theory of you know how how we attach and, and it goes back again to like how you attached um, as a child or an infant to to your primary caregivers and there's secure attachment which is what you know everybody's working towards um and then there's anxious attachment and avoidant attachment those are like the three main ones so you could be one of those three or what's more typical is that you're probably a combination right so you can be anxious and avoidant you can be um you can be like anxious and, and secure you can be a different attachment style in different relationships uh, there's also like disorganized attachment. That's like the one where it's like, you're sometimes anxious, you're sometimes avoidant, you're sometimes secure. Um, so there's, it's, it's pretty interesting because I just take, I mean, there's so many things, right? There's personality tests, there's Enneagram, there's attachment styles, there's, there's all these, you know, there's actual disorders, there's all these different things. And I kind of like look at all of them as, as pieces to the puzzle. Um, I don't think like one thing explains exactly why you are the way you are but it's an interesting piece to like observe and kind of see like oh okay like I can see what I'm doing here totally thank you I appreciate that I I used to be anti all things putting me in any sort of box and this space is like you know, it kind of lends itself to having the conversations about the different personality tests and things like that so over the course of the last four years, I've now played with these things. And through that, realized that it's almost like the boxes are there, but they're not over-identified because there's so many different things you can look at. And so it has become the pieces. Um, yeah, cool. I What's the book that you have? The book I have is called Attached. Um, that's the oh, yeah, I've seen yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that you call it that they're not fixed. Because when I first was introduced to those two, I'm like, oh, I'm an attachment. Or like my attachment style tends to be more anxious. Like I think anxious slash secure, but um, I felt like, yeah, I was like putting that box and it's like, oh God, I'm anxious. I'm always going to be anxious. No, I'm more anxious. And like then I, when I started reading more and like to, to what you said, when you're also like, oh, different people bring out different sides to you too in relationships which then I was like oh that makes more sense because I know what it feels like to be secure in relationship relationships and to feel secure and I also know that other relationships have not had a secure attachment style but it's like it's not always just like oh you're just an anxious person it's like there is something being created here too that is leaning me towards a more anxious attachment style versus it's like I you know like I am capable of being secure and having a secure attachment style, like we all are, and like it ebbs and flows, but um, the majority of the time, but if you're in like that more anxious space, is it, I mean, it's always a combo, but like, I have to ask myself like, okay, what's my, my part in this anxious attachment? (laughs) What is the relationships part? And then like, what is maybe coming from that other person that I either need to communicate something set a boundary or maybe realize that this is not a good fit for my life and historically I would have just been like oh I'm the anxious person this is my fault like I'm doing it wrong I need to calm my own anxiety down this is on me um so calling out that it's not like a fixed thing and it can change is that part of the work or is that something that you both have expanded upon the work within your own lives I just want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly of like, is, is 
observing it part of the work or yeah and like that seems like such a such gold right there of like recognizing honestly it's like yes you can understand that there's these things but how it actually plays out in life is an invitation to say like what is here and and to dig a little bit deeper um I I, I usually find with like these personality things that 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 level of it isn't necessarily there, those nuances. And um, that to me seems like where the gift in knowing, having language for it and understanding the concept in application can actually move things forward, um, make relationships deeper and better, you know, if there's like a better and worse. Um, So yeah, I was just curious if that's something that you both kind of went to because of how, you know, who you are, or is it something that kind of is teed up in, in the work? I can go for answer if, yeah, and see if you add to it. Um, I would say when I first was introduced to it, it felt more black and white, but I also probably had more of a black and white mindset then too. Um, and that was one of the things again, that I was like, okay, I guess I'm just an anxious attachment. Um, and it all, but it was also very much through the lens of, I had just gone through this like three week relationship that made me really anxious. So <laughs> I was like seeing it in that way, um, uh, versus like my last long-term relationship, I actually think I was pretty secure slash more avoidant in it. <laughs> so like, kind of to your point. Um, and I think it was actually Mark Gross did an episode at some point where he had talked about it and like really opened it up and been like, yeah, these are things that aren't fixed and they're expensive and. And then I was like, oh, well, that actually makes more sense because again, I know what it feels like to be secure in a relationship. I know what it feels like to be anxious. I even probably to a lesser extent, but know what it feels like to start to be avoidant in a relationship. Um, and I don't, I'm sure that can be distilled down because I there's like probably a default. And Shanice, like, please feel free to jump in because I haven't read the book, but um, I just kind of sort of accepted that I can be any of the three at any time and it depends on who I'm with and what's going on in my life and it is a tool for awareness and language. Yeah, I absolutely think that um, it's it's part of the work um, to, to use that phrase. I don't really like that phrase either, but because, you know, like Janelle's saying, like you can be fluid, but I think a lot of times people find out certain things about themselves, whether it's like oh, this is, I took this personality test and it told me I'm this way or, you know, oh, I have an anxious attachment style. And then they just go, well, that's just who I am. And like, I can't do anything about it. Like, you're going to have to learn how to like work with me. Like, I'm just anxious, right? And I think we, sometimes we do that, like our, you know, anybody can do that at any point in their life, but getting beyond that black and white and like, okay, this is a starting point. But again, like I'm capable of growth. I'm capable of expanding who I am and changing and, and learning. Um, and maybe I will always be anxious in this relationship, but like, how do we work through that together? And so I think that's like a hard part too, just to kind of come back to like friendships and everything as we make friendships, when we get older, we're asking for so much more, right? Like, like a friendship is, is a relationship that takes just as much work as any other type of relationship in your life. Like whether that's romantic or otherwise, like if you want to connect with a person and like go on this, this path of life together, like you have to have hard conversations. You have to recognize like what parts of yourself are showing up and like how that's affecting another person. Um, and then be, be willing to, to change. Like if you want the relationship or, or friendship to continue. Oh, I appreciate that so much. And Mark Gross, dude, you're the bomb. 
I mean, literally, okay, just period. And then <laughs> I appreciate you saying um, that because I feel like right now I am, again, like as I'm meeting new people, as I'm like, I've never been on a dating app before. Like I'm trying to figure out when will be the right time to, to even do that. I like literally have never dated. I, it's not even that I'm like relearning how to date. Like I never dated anyone until my first relationship. And like, my friend was like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. I was like, I know. Thank you. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> um, and like, even without the dating apps, it's like people still show up. I don't even know how I'm like, it's COVID. I'm like locked in my parents' house. Like, how is anyone finding me right now? And, <laughs> and, you know, I'm in this conversation with, well, there's a specific person that I've, um, like I'm becoming friends with. And like within the first few weeks, I realized like, okay, there's aspects of this that I feel like could be what I want in a, a connection and a friendship, but there's aspects that don't. And I was like, I'm going to just throw it out there and say it, but it is, it's, it was kind of, it felt almost like I had to talk myself off the cliff of like, you are asking for some really intense stuff, like right off the bat, like, can you just chill out a little bit? But at the same time, I was like, why is it intense for me to calmly say like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. I want more depth over transactional. And if that's not what you're into, like, that's totally cool. I have a lot that I'm working on and working through in real time. But in order for me to share that experience with you, there needs to be a level of trust. And, and so I'm not going to go there. And I also want to be able to go there with my connections, but I don't want to force it. So I'm going to just say, if you don't want depth right now, I'm probably not the person to keep talking to. And just kind of like realizing um, like that play and the invitation to just act like the responsibility or like the, there is a, a level of, I guess responsibility is the word of, of relationship. Like being in relationship with somebody is like deep, deep connection requires um requires something and it it I don't know for me it isn't there can be surface level relationships but even having a surface level relationship requires almost like the agreement like that like hey we're gonna kind of just be activity friends and like we can both be okay with that and that still requires like a, a conversation um so anyways it's just interesting that I even in the the things that might be more surface level, there still needs to be that acknowledgement of it and the ability to just say what's here and be transparent and honest and, and, and hold it with like a lightness. Um, and I'm, I'm totally learning that in real time and navigating my own like inner critic as I'm like, I really want to say this. I'm a fucking freak. Why am I doing this? I need to do this. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. let it out. But <laughs> so funny too, because it's like when I first met Janelle, I like had a mohawk and I'm like, I would call myself like just innately a, a out there weirdo. And then as I'm like, again, that's why I said, I think it almost became a curated personality trait for a while that I could kind of hide behind. And so it was like the weirdo that I knew everybody would be like digging and 
now I'm kind of coming back around the infinity loop of like, okay, what's like the real weirdo that's in me. And I'm like, and so it's cool that Janelle's kind of like holding the torch a little bit for me to like go deeper. And what's my authentic weirdo, not the weirdo that I curated for the world. I like it. I'm glad I'm here for it. So to be honoring of time, because I know we're over and I'm sure the three of us could continue to talk for hours. Um, but Shanice, how do you live your true north in one word? Uh, my one word would be integrity. Um, so a lot of time, or not a lot, but several people, um, I went through a big life change a couple months ago. And so several people were like, well, what are you looking for? Like, are you trying to be happy? And I was like, first, I'm like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm just trying to be happy. I'm just trying to find happiness. And then I started like, thinking about that a little bit more. And I was like, no, actually, I don't think happiness is the goal, right? Because happiness is just another emotion. Like we're not going to be happy every single moment of every single day. But what's important for me is like feeling at peace with like who I am and, and that all the pieces in my life feel, you know, integrated and that I feel integrated in my life. Like I'm not disjointed. I'm not this person that's like showing up to work one way, showing up, you know, in this relationship one way, showing up in my friendship you know, this way, like, I want to be the same person, um, for the most part across all the different, um, activities in my life. And so integrity. She's, we just had a mashup episode on exactly what you just said. I'm like, damn it. We should have invited you. (laughs) We'll be back. Yeah. We'll definitely (laughs) be back. And then if people want to get a hold of you, um, reach out to you, connect with you, ask you more questions, be your friend. How can they do that? Um, I would love friends. I'm in the market for friends. So anybody who wants to connect, probably the best way me, me, is, me, me, me. <laughs> is Instagram. So I am, I am public on Instagram. Please don't send me weird things. Um, at Shanice underscore underscore who underscores Monet, like the artist. Um, so they can find me there. Awesome. You're rad. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for you playing teach with me how to surf when I, Will you teach me how to surf when I come out to slow? <laughs> Sure, I'll teach you how to fall. Great. I love falling. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm so safe. All right, you guys can surf. I'll sit on the beach in town and then we can go shred. We'll go longboarding after that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> You're so cool. I'm sorry. So cool. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And make sure you're signed up for our mailing list. You can do that at thetruenorthcollective.org to stay up to date on all of our resources, tools, and upcoming events. We appreciate you being here with us. We'll see you next time.